program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and I am... As always, so delighted to have you join us today. We have a really great program lined up, so we're going to get right into it today. I think I've talked about going to the dog park with my dog, Smarty, since I moved to Fountain Hills. We go every day. While he runs and and plays, we walk. Um, There's a little group of us. The park is about a quarter to a third of a mile around, and we keep walking until we've done at least a mile, sometimes more. And all the time we're walking, we have this wonderful conversation. We're all older, and we're very diverse in terms of experience, beliefs, outlooks, background. I couldn't be more different. I said to them the other day, I have a really interesting guest on the radio show this week. I have a psychic medium who's also a practicing attorney. And I can tell you, we had a really lively conversation. Um, they wanted, you know, the, the, the conversation went around, are, are mediums real? Whether the, you know, is the information true? How do you know? And it went on and on. Yeah, and I, they wanted to know what I thought. And I shared my whole knowledge of physics in one sentence, when, when I quoted the law of conservation of energy, which states energy can neither be created nor destroyed, rather it transforms from one form to the other. They did know that we're energy, and they did accept that, and that sort of ended the conversation. But we're going to talk about that today, and we have the psychic lawyer with us, and he's going to straighten it all out for us. <laughs> I, I know he will. We've had him on before. Mark Anthony, known as the psychic lawyer, is the author of the bestseller Never Letting Go and the newly or recently published published last year, Evidence of Eternity. He's a world-renowned fourth-generation psychic medium who communicates with spirits. Mark is an Oxford-educated attorney licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court, which should tell you that he's a real, genuine, bona fide lawyer. In England, he studied mediumship at the prestigious Arthur Findlay College for the Advancement of Psychic Science. He's a regularly featured guest on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox, and on major talk radio shows such as Coast to Coast AM, Darkness Radio, and Sirius XM as a psychic medium paranormal expert, 
and legal analyst in high-profile murder cases. He's an ARE, and uh, he is a featured speaker at conventions, expos, and spiritual organizations such as the Edward, Edward Casey ARE and universities including Harvard, Brown, and Yale. Mark's been with us before, and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome him back to the Self-Improvement Show. Mark, welcome. So happy to have you back. Thank you, Irene. It's really nice uh, for you to have me back. And to all your listeners, I'd like to say um, I hope 2016 is going well for you. And uh, um, it's just great being here. Well, we might get around to talking about 2016, but you know, there's always questions that are so important to ask you first. Now, we've heard of lawyers and psychics, but we haven't heard of a psychic lawyer. Now, <laughs> how, did, how did that happen? Is that That's like a, being I... bipolar? <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I would imagine at times, yeah. Um, well, I was born a psychic medium, and uh, this is a genetic trait. It runs in my family. And when I wrote my first book, Never Letting Go, I, I referenced family members with these abilities. And then I was hit by, by thousands of emails and letters that people wanted to know more about, about my family. So when I was writing Evidence of Eternity, um, which combines... Um, science, theoretical physics, human physiology, uh, and evidence to explain spirit communication in a rational and logical way, I was writing about genetics because most of the mediums I know, it, it appears that this runs in their family. And so I started writing about uh, the, the folks in my family that have these abilities. And as it turns out, both my parents do. So, so when I was around four and I started seeing all of the invisible friends, well, they weren't so invisible because my, my parents could see them as well. So I grew up in this environment, which, you know, was very normal for me. And, uh, you know, we weren't, you know, weird. Well, we were, we were odd, the odd family, but uh, we were kind of the interesting odd family. But my dad was a NASA engineer. My mom was a commercial artist. So, you know, we were pretty much uh, mainstream America. And as I got older, I decided I wanted to go into the field of law. I, I initially had been groomed to be a Catholic priest. But what happened, Irene, is I felt there were too many rules and regulations and, and uh, restrictions being a priest. And so <laughs> I ended up in law. Yeah, I understand <laughs> that one, yeah. So you ended up in law school. Yes. And... Um, because people ask me, and, and I love the way you put that, is, is being a psychic and a lawyer like being bipolar? Because um, a lot of people look at them as bi, you know, polar opposites, you know, because being an attorney is a very left-brained, uh, very um, exact. Uh, you have to have evidence, and there's the key. To be a lawyer, to win your cases, to prove your cases and your position, you have to have evidence. And as a psychic medium, I also have to have evidence to prove that the spirit communicating is who he or she says they are. So, so that's why both professions use evidence, and both professions are reliant upon helping people. Um, you can't be cold and callous uh, when you're a medium. And even though a lot of attorneys are cold and callous, there's a lot of attorneys who do this work because we care about our clients. And we want to help people that are being crushed by, you know, powers greater than them. 
or people that may not have the, the skill set to stand up for themselves. And I want to talk about some of those things, some of the people that you have helped. But right now, I want you to tell people how they can find you if they want to know more. And then I want you to go into a little bit about what you're doing these days. I honestly don't know how you keep up with it. I see your schedule coming through and I'm thinking, I don't know how, when, when does he practice law is sort of my question. Now, well, so well, how do people reach you and, you know, are there events coming up that, you know, people can attend? Um, yes, there, there are events coming up with me. Uh, the best way to, to find out about me and my events are... It, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> like ten thoughts at once. The best way to keep up with my schedule is to go to my website, which is evidenceofeternity.com. It's the same title as my new book, evidenceofeternity.com. And when you go there, you can look at my calendar of events. Um, you can also sign up for the newsletter on my page, which is that uh, the form is on the bottom right side of every page on my website. And um, I have... Uh, next week I've got another radio show, but I have an in-person event on January 30th in Melbourne, Florida at Aquarian Dreams, and then in February 5th in Sarasota, Florida. So if you go to my website, Evidence of Eternity, you can find out about those events. Um, I know I'm going to be back at the Edgar Casey Center of Manhattan in New York City in April. Um, and what we're starting now, Irene, I just got contacted um, Princess Cruise Lines is going to start doing cruises where I give workshops. Um, and our first one's actually going to be this October. Uh, we're calling them the Psychic Explorer Cruises, and it's going to be on October 22nd, leaving out of Fort Lauderdale, and it's the Mystical Maya uh, tour. Oh, that's so a good going- name. Yeah, yeah, and so I'll be giving lectures about Mayan spirituality, Mayan religion, also doing gallery readings for attendees and explaining the science of spirit communication. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to be um, in Lilydale at the end of July as the featured speaker at their their um, their year their you know their their big event this year, and then there's several other venues that we're talking to. It looks like I'll be back in Houston on uh, the TV show Great Day Houston, and um, so I've got a lot of things that are coming together. Uh, so if any, if you go to my website evidenceofeternity.com, that'll keep you abreast of everything. And you probably have a full docket of legal cases as well. Well, <laughs> what I what's happened, Irene, is. Um, I put my law practice on hold because I am touring the country. Last year, I was in 23 cities nationwide. And so instead of practicing law, what I'm doing is acting as a legal commentator in high-profile cases, and I've become the go-to guy when the legal system and the paranormal collide. Now, Now, people may think that that's kind of, oh, right, but there have been a number of cases where uh, people buy a house and they find out or they believe it to be haunted, and then all of a sudden they want to break the lease. And so the various shows will have me on. Uh, last year there was the Slender Man uh, case where uh, those two girls got... Oh, were you in on that one? Uh, as, as a legal commentator and advisor, um, I'm a regular on Coast to Coast and Darkness Radio with that and Great Day Houston. Um, a lot of times um, um, I, I will comment on high-profile murders, 
and, um, and anything involving the paranormal. So I'm acting as a legal expert in, in that vein, and it's really been, been uh, very re- rewarding um, to, to take my legal skills and my, my um, spiritual skills and be able to combine them like this. I'm going to ask you a question that I think probably popped into everybody's head, and that is, have you ever gotten information from the other side to help you with the case or to, you know, really put new evidence before them? You know, like, look at look in a such and such in place and you'll find, you know, evidence. Do, do you ever uh, get anything like that? Well, um, I, I've, I've been prompted uh, by spirits to, like, ask certain questions during trial in never letting go Um uh, my first book, I explained how selecting a jury, having psychic ability, is extremely helpful. And I was doing this one case where, um, and, and I said, I, I used this example one time, and I actually offended somebody. I said, you know, I was representing this guy who got in a fight with this other guy. It was Redneck A, got in a fight with Redneck B. Okay, I mean, this was in Melbourne, Florida, and this is not like this was our one fight for the, for the year between these two big bruisers, all right? And so my guy, he won the fight, so the guy who lost the fight uh, had him arrested. So it's a crime of violence, even though it was mutual combat. But it's important when you're selecting a jury to make sure that the jury is fair and impartial and open-minded, and also to see if they have any prejudices towards people um, accused of certain crimes. So I asked the, the prospective jury, have you or has anybody here been accused or the victim of a violent crime. And I was drawn to this one woman, and she started crying and trembling. And I I could feel a female energy associated with her. And the female energy was conveying to me that something was obstructing her breathing. I felt this clamping sensation around my throat. And she looked up at me, the client looked up at me and said, a year ago, my sister was in a foreign country when an escaped mental patient strangled her and then dismembered her body and threw it in the garbage like she was trash. Well, nobody in law school taught me how to deal with a situation like this. This woman's crying, everybody in the courtroom staring at me like, oh, dear God, and my client, I can hear him saying, dude, what are you doing? And her and, sister's choking. And her sister's spirit was, was coming forward really, really heavily. So literally, I had a foot in both worlds. And if people want to find out what happened, they're going to have to read my book, Never Letting Go. Oh, I love that. We're going, to, we're going to go to break right now while we're on break. You get your Kindle out, order that book, or get on Amazon, get that book. We've got to know what happens. This is Irene Conlon saying stay tuned. We'll be back with more with Mark Anthony in just a moment. <laughs> Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenise Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenise and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Mark Anthony, better known as the Psychic Lawyer. We've been talking a little bit about his background and his books. I see, by the way, before we get into it again, Mark, that you won an award for Evidence of Eternity. Fantastic. I did. Um, it was it was such a, a big surprise. It won uh, first place in the Authors Database Cover Awards. And um, late last year, I was notified by Columbia University in New York City that evidence of eternity has been submitted for a Pulitzer Prize. So it's it's been, I know, I know, and it's like, oh my gosh. And, and of course, I realize that, you know, this is like winning the Powerball. You know, of course, it's a long shot, but just, just the honor of being mentioned with this, you know, uh, oh, my book in the same sentence as Pulitzer is very, very humbling. And so to whoever submitted it, thank you very much. This book, Evidence of Eternity, is just a wonderful read. It's one of the best books I've read on the afterlife. And uh, it's, I would just say it's a must read. If you're interested in the subject at all, get the evidence of eternity. It's, it's easy to read, but has a lot of depth to it. I loved the book, Mark. I, I re- I'm not saying that just because you're here. I really loved that book. Oh, We've got you. to talk about one of the things that the dog park people wanted me to ask you. I asked them this morning, you know, do you have any questions you really want me to be sure and ask while I have the psychic lawyer on? And here's the question. What about ghosts and poltergeists? You know, are they real? You know, are they real, Mark? I'll talk about ghosts and poltergeists. That's always a fun topic, you know. It's like we need the lights down low, maybe just some candlelight and some popcorn. Um, (laughs) uh, And yesterday, I understand, was uh, National Popcorn Day. um, And then, or no, Tuesday was. And then today is National Hug Day. Hug Day. Give give somebody you love a hug. Um, Ghosts and poltergeists, there are three schools of thoughts on what hauntings are and ghosts and poltergeists. One is that it's a spirit who is trapped between this side, you know, the material world is what I call our world, the material world and the other side. The second school of thought is that it's a spirit who's on the other side, but they return to a specific location or person to visit. And then the third 
uh, school of thought is that matter retains energy. In other words, um, a haunting or a poltergeist is no more a sentient, self-aware spirit than your reflection is you, your reflection in a mirror. So let me go through, through each of these real quick. Is Okay, is it a person trapped between this side and the other side? I don't buy um, spirits being trapped. I, I get that sometimes, uh, and I touched on this in Never Letting Go, if somebody dies traumatically, sometimes like initially they're like, what do you mean I'm dead? <laughs> okay, because they need to realize it. But then once the spirit separates from the body, that's like a drop of water um, um, falling from a leaf into the ocean. And in other words, our spirit uh, returns to the collective consciousness, the infinity, the eternal existence of the other side. And when somebody dies, they're aware of that. Um, so I don't buy the trapped on this side or the other side. I think the second school of thought is the more realistic in that spirits may return to a, 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 a particular location um, to visit. Okay, they may visit, uh, visit a person, uh, visit um, a particular location, but they're certainly well aware that they're on the other side and they can pop back and forth. And then the third possibility, or school of thought rather, is also very realistic. Because let's say there's a murder in, in a room in a house. And it, you know, it usually tends to be a, um, um, in movies, the big scary house, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, I've been in you know, just regular houses, your regular three-bedroom, three two-bath house in, in neighborhoods that appear to be quote-unquote haunted. And what happens is the trauma of that event is energy. And the energy is like bouncing around. It's like if you had an echo an echo that bounced off walls and kept going around and around and around. It's like on a CD player, you turn on the CD and you never turn it off. It keeps playing and playing and playing. Right. And, and um, the people that do house clearings and exorcisms and such in, in those type of situations, what they're doing is they're interrupting that energetic echo so it stops. In other words, the haunting goes away. So, so there's different schools of thought on that. There's another um, venue or, or area is that many times spiritual entities that we encounter um, are non-human spiritual entities. Now, immediately people go, oh my God, they're demons. It's like, before we all go leaping into the arms of Satan, there are a lot of intelligent species on the other side. There's humans, there's angelic entities, and then there's, you can call them elementals. I like the term elemental, but uh, in folklore, like in Ireland, they're referred to as, as leprechauns and sprites. And in England, they call them fairies. And in Nordic countries, they call them elves. And I know, you know, we immediately start saying, yeah, right. But whether you want to call this an elf or a sprite or a fairy or a leprechaun, there are entities which are intelligent and capable of communicating with us, but they're not human. And they're not necessarily negative or evil. They're maybe more aligned with plants, maybe with earth, um, different um, strata within our world. In other words, they're not particularly interested in interfacing with human beings. And what I've found in, in many places, when you um, encounter the energy of a spirit, all of a sudden you get tingles and cold chills. Well, that's why so many people think that this house is haunted, therefore it's evil, because what's happening is, the energy of a spirit is now interfacing with the energy of a person. 
okay, our electrical field, our heart, our brain, our nervous system has an electrical field. Their energy interfaces with ours. The physiological reaction that our body gets is cold tingles and, and chills, which is the same physiological reaction in the flight or fight response which is why people immediately assume it's evil, it's negative, and, oh, my God, let me run. What about these TV programs that say they're, you know, looking for uh, spirits and ghosts, and they, they say they find them? You know, what do you say about those? You know, they seem to be pretty popular. Yeah, they're very I watched pop- a couple, and I wasn't impressed, but... Yeah, I, I watch them, and I'm, I'm, you know, they're entertaining, but I'm still waiting for um, persuasive evidence uh, because everything I do is a medium. I'm an evidential medium because I'm an attorney. Evidence is important to me, and the type of mediumship or the technique that, that I embrace is known as evidential mediumship. And you, you see these programs where a bunch of people parade into a building and there's night vision goggles, and, and somebody screams demon, and they shake the camera, and everyone screams and runs out. Yeah. And I'm looking at this going, okay, where's the evidence? Um, now, I've been part of paranormal investigations with some of uh, the, the, the people from these TV shows, and you've got to realize that when, they, they film, when, when you're filming for a TV show, maybe you have 10 hours of film, and you have to edit it down to 23 minutes. So you'll get the screaming and the yelling and the camera shaking around. But when you're sitting there for hours watching K2 meters and EVP electronic voice phenomenon and some of the other equipment, and all of a sudden um, all the readings spike, and then I start feeling a spiritual entity entering a room, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But I know I, I've been on an, um, an uh, investigation, and immediately the ghost hunters are all like, it's a demon. And I said, well, wait a second, I'm hearing Steven. Okay, and, um, and then I'll start describing who's coming through, and it's not demonic or evil at all. It's a spirit, and half the time they're like, what are you people doing here? Why are you so interested in this? Um, it, it, has it ever happened that somebody came that was a relative of one of the cameramen or one of the people working in the show? Yes, absolutely. In fact, um, <laughs> in, in two of the investigations I was in, we were in the Stanley Hotel in, in uh, Estes Park, Colorado. It's supposed to be one of those haunted locations. It's where The Shining took place. And, you know, and of course, you know, I couldn't help you know, but going, here's Johnny, and doing my Jack Nicholson pseudo-impression. Uh, <laughs> this is too funny, you know. So we're in this room, and all of a sudden a shadow starts growing on the wall. And they're like, it's the shadow, people. And so I walk up to it, and I said, there's a grandfather figure older man, I'm getting a heart attack, and he's holding this ginger-colored kitty, and I'm describing all of this, and this, this uh, girl who's an observer, she comes forward, and she has tears in her eyes, and she said, my grandfather died six weeks ago, and my ginger-colored kitty died two weeks ago. And she said, in the way you described him, that's him. You know, and so... So he came through, and I started giving her this beautiful reading, and, and uh, she's hugging me and thanking me, and, and then they had to rotate the people out because we had like about a dozen investigations going on throughout various locations on the Stanley and the uh, property there. And the ghost hunter got really mad at me. He goes, how dare you do that? I go, what? She needed that. Yeah, but, you know, you're ruining the whole thing. I go, oh, so it's supposed to be scary and spooky? 
No, the whole point of applying the scientific method to phenomenon is to objectively observe it without any preconditions or pre-notions, you know, predispositions ahead of time. This guy wanted it to be scary because that was the whole thing. Yeah, um, I would think that he would have thought that was the highlight of the show. Well, it should have been. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess it wasn't spooky and scary, so therefore, yeah. Therefore, you you've mentioned a couple times the science of spirit communication. You, yeah, is it a science? Absolutely. Um, In fact, evidence of eternity explains. Um, spirit communication using scientific terms and terminology, and I've I've introduced new terms um, such as spiritual situational awareness. In other words, how to be open to picking up to the seen and unseen influences around us. Uh, I refer to what I do as a medium, not as mediumship, but rather as interdimensional communication. And that's based on string theory, which indicates that there's not just a universe, but there's multiverses and different levels and dimensions of reality. So when somebody dies, they're not, you know, catapulting off to some nebulous place. They go to a different frequency, which runs parallel to the universe within which we exist. And then I talk about um, understanding uh, frequency and the multiple meaning messages and uh, the various aspects of spirit communication and how we're able to do this based on our own physiology. Uh, Because we all have the same basic parts, it's just that some people are better at doing this than others. Like Some people are better swimmers and better athletes, and some people are better artists or musicians or carpenters because we all have different skill sets. Apparently, this is part of my skill set. And on that note, we're going to take another break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Mark Anthony, saying stay tuned. We're going to be talking more about spirits and spirit communications when we come back. We'll be back in a moment. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment do you have complete control over your thoughts and your life it seems like we do but there are always outside forces that are wreaking havoc with that control how do we get our thoughts back on track so to speak listen for help my thoughts are holding me hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin When you command the power of thought, you can achieve or have whatever you want. Make the laws of the universe work for you. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. 
Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. We've been talking about... Um, all kinds of little things about spirits and ghosts and poltergeists and whatever. Now, Mark, this may be a dumb question, but bear with me. If there's no time on the other side, and I understand that there is not, you know, where the deceased are, can they give you information about things that haven't happened yet? If there's no time and everything's happening at the same time, then the future's there as well. So do they know things like who's going to win this election or what happens to ISIS or, you know, a- any of those kind of things? Since this is 1964, uh, 64, wow, where did I just go? Since this is 2016, you know, can, do they know what's going to be coming down for us? Uh, they do, because um, with time... They're aware that we believe time exists so because they had a material world existence. But on the other side, everything that has happened is happening and will happen for the, from their perspective is occurring simultaneously. So they're able to discern uh, future events or what we would consider to be the future and also past events. For example, I was doing a reading for this lady and her husband came through and then I started describing something and she said, well, he didn't know that, and, and he didn't know that person, and he wasn't there when our grandchild was born. And, and she started arguing with me about what he did and didn't know, and I was trying to explain to her that, well, he may not have known it when he was in the physical world, but he certainly knows it from the other side. Well, how does he know that? <laughs> okay, and it's like, well, look at the other side as the cosmic Internet, except, you know, it doesn't choke up and fail and, you know, go offline. Um, and that... He's patched into everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen. So that's how a lot of times, like during a reading, a spirit can bring up something to me. And I don't always understand what's coming through or why it's coming through. For example, I was in Houston a couple months ago, and I was doing a reading on this couple in front of this whole crowd. And they were very difficult clients. They were saying no to everything. No, 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 um, because they were very nervous and they weren't thinking. And I kept saying to the, to the husband, you know, your father's spirit is telling me about your stomach, and there's some problem with your stomach in, in your lower intestines. No, 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 no. Well, I got an email from his wife about two weeks ago, and she said that not long after that event, he had to have part of his colon removed, and now he's on a colostomy. Okay, And his father was trying to tell them, you really need to get this checked right away. And I didn't know the full extent of the message because all I was getting was directed to his GI tract and problems with it, but they weren't, they weren't cooperating, and he wasn't saying, yeah, I am having trouble there. He didn't want you know, anyone to think that there was anything wrong with him. So in that respect, 
the spirits were certainly aware of what was going on with him. Now, were they trying to change it, or were they merely trying to let him know that this is an inevitability? Um, it's, it's um, you know, and, and that certainly is the, the question. Do they know major happenings, uh, like, you know, global warming, you know, if, if things are going to happen because of that, or, or there sure. isn't such a thing, or whatever? Do they know these things? Do they share this with you? Do you ever get in on some of these things? You know, I, yeah, you just did with the man who had trouble. Um, but in terms of global occurrences... Do you get information? Um, yeah, you know, um, something very strange happened. Um, I was doing readings um, in Vero Beach, Florida at an event, and I kept getting Paris, Paris, Paris. And this one lady, I called on her, I said, I'm seeing Paris. She goes, well, I was there once. And like three times, three, four times that night, Paris came up. And it wasn't really resonating with people. And uh, the reason I'm saying this now is because this was in front of a room full of people, and it was being recorded. And that was on a Saturday night. And the following, I believe it was Friday night, it was when uh, the ISIS attack in Paris occurred. So I was getting Paris, Paris, Paris. But it didn't come to me like, in Paris, this will happen, time, date, stamp. It's not like, you know, you're watching CNN and you get the crawl at the bottom. Now, uh, sometimes things like that will happen, and I do describe that in Evidence of Eternity um, when, um, in, in the first chapter, I was right at, at you know, in, in May 2001, I was right out in front of the World Trade Center, and all of a sudden I got a glimpse of things falling, and I, and I hunched over, and I was like, oh my God! And I knew something was going to go on, but I didn't know, and people say, well, why didn't you do something? What am I going to do? run over to the New York Police Department and go, hi, I'm a psychic, and, like, I was standing out in front of the World Trade Center, and, like, you know, like, oh, my God, you know, because, <laughs> because it's... <laughs> and they're going to look at me like I'm a kook and probably hold me for a 72-hour observation. Uh, but yeah. but uh, things like that, things like that happen. Now, there are people who their forte is, is forecasting future events, but you've got to be very careful jumping to assumptions. Um, because just because you can see something doesn't mean you can change it either. Another kind of uh, contemporary question, and I, I go here because of Robin Williams. I loved him so much. Uh, what about suicide? Some religions believe those who commit suicide will burn in hell. Now, and all of these questions were being brought up, after Robin Williams committed suicide, you know he was so brilliant in that movie, "What Dream May Come," and and he must have had some. I I know he was a, a spiritual being. Well, we all are, but uh, what about that? What about suicide? And what about hell? Can you talk about those two things? Oh, sure. There's no one size fits all um, for for suicide, and. Um, so many of the traditional religions, in fact, all of them, all the traditional religions um, talk about um, suicide being like the worst thing that can ever happen. Um, 
Christianity, Islam, you go right to hell. Even the, the normally tolerant Buddhists talk about like a real negative reincarnation. Um, and the fact of the matter is, suicide affects everybody. And it is so insidious and so painful. And religions, and you know, if you want to believe that, that certain you know, books are the word of God, that, that's your choice. But religions were created by people for people, and they want there to be a deterrent to committing suicide, understandably so. Okay, understandably so. So there's this, if you do this, then this will happen. And, and they, they create God in a reward and punishment you know, vein. You know, God's the, um, if you do this, I'm going to do that. And to some extent, that's true when it comes to the law of balance and the law of karma. For a reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction. But I've done readings for thousands of people um, whose relatives and loved ones have committed suicide, and they're not in hell. There's, there's levels to the other side and different degrees of the other side, but there is no archetypal hell with some jerk running around with a pitchfork <laughs> sticking people. Okay? That is primitive... Uh, medieval superstitious nonsense and and the reason that I say that is with suicide the people that commit suicide believe that they're living in a reality which is so horrible and so negative that there is absolutely no escape from it and that the only hope is to cease their consciousness cessation of consciousness they think that if they kill themselves then they won't have to be facing this hell whether it's a terminally ill disease or they're chronically suffering from depression and, and uh, debilitating diseases like Robin Williams was, um, children who are bullied and unfortunately don't have the maturity or the skill set to realize that you know being 12 isn't going to last forever, and I don't mean that in any insulting way. You have to look at it from the perspective of, of the, the person. In, in Evidence of Eternity, I talk about on 9-11, People were jumping from the World Trade Center, plunging to their death. And I remember seeing this on TV, and, and if you read the book, it'll go much deeper into this. But the people that were jumping out of those windows, they went to work that day, and they didn't want to die. And then, no. then this roaring fire, okay, and they had a decision to make, be burned alive or jump to their death. It was a hellish reality from which there was no escape and the people who jumped decided that jumping out of uh, you know an 80 story uh, a building a 60 story you know window wherever you know wherever they were jumping was better than being burned alive so they had a choice to make and it's very difficult for us to sit in judgment of somebody who commits suicide because of the pain and the anguish that they're going through. So it's very, very important to understand this. And God is the most loving parent of all, and no loving parent is going to condemn a child to an eternity of suffering. So, too, God would not do this. So there's no one-size-fits-all. Now, by my saying this, Irene, I am not in any shape, form, or fashion encouraging encouraging anyone to commit suicide. I always encourage people that when you are, are entertaining those thoughts, uh, reach out to the National Suicide Hotline, the, the Suicide Lifeline, because there's professionals, people who care 24-7. 
because you do not have to go through this anguish alone, and there are people who can help you. So, so um, yes, the other side's wonderful and all that, but don't be in a hurry to get there because yeah. the fact of the matter is you can't take life that seriously because you're never getting out of it alive. Um, none of now, us will. Yeah, none of us <laughs> will. You know, I mean, um, I think Catherine Hepburn said, you know, the problem with life is it kills you. <laughs> you know, eventually, you know, we're all going going to go. Um, now, you're asking about hell. Real quick, um, hell, uh, how much time do we have before the break? Um, we're not, we're going to skip a break. Okay. I don't know how much time um, we have left. We have about 12 minutes, is my guess. Out, outside of Jerusalem, in um, there's a valley known as Gehenna. And in, in um, let's call it biblical times, uh, maybe eight 900 B.C., all the way up until the time of Christ, and then some, people who were criminals and uh, people who could not afford a proper burial were, were burned in sulfur pits, which they called brimstone. So instead of burying them, they would burn them. And if you were bad, if you were evil, if you were a criminal, you went to Gehenna. Okay, so right. then it became oh Gehenna. Well, then, then of course the Romans you know, conquer the region, and Christianity um, emerges, and Christianity, uh, you know, uh, at least the, the belief system that was initiated by Jesus, and then um, the Greeks took it over. Uh, you know, within fifty, sixty years of Christ's death, most of the early Christians in the, the end of the first century were Greeks. And the Roman Empire at this time had come into contact with the Germanic tribes, and so their religion began to uh, permeate and, and influence the Greco-Roman world. And the god Loki, okay, and, and um, who was a very Lucifer type of character and an underworld mischievous uh, god, um, started to be melded into this fallen angel Lucifer character. Well, then by the uh, fourth century. When the Romans shifted the empire from the, 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 the dying, failed classical religion of Mount Olympus and all that um, to the new Christian religion, now you have um, God, um, you know, and then you have the, the, uh, the negativity, which is headed up by Lucifer. Long story short, when Constantine, the first Christian emperor, they issued the edict. It said, Jesus is God and will return, but until he does, Constantine, emperor of the Romans, will be God's representative on earth. And then every subsequent Roman emperor, and then all the European kings, and then the Muslim caliphs and sultans all swallowed that up because, hey, I'm ordained by God. And guess what? If you don't do what God says, meaning the Roman emperor, then you are cast into hell. And so then this whole thing of if you're bad, you go to hell thing has come up. Um, and, and it's really based on a lot of primitive, superstitious nonsense. Well, it, it does a lot of things. I mean, it keeps people in control. You know, it, it, it solves this you know, problem of, you know, well, if everybody goes to heaven, then how come the bad ones get the same you know, thing we get, uh, you know, assuming that we get there? Well, um, hell's here yeah, on Earth. Yeah. They get reincarnated, and, and we all go through several incarnations. We all get reincarnated. And that's just it. The other side is is the heaven dimension, if you will, and the material world is the hell dimension. 
Sometimes um, you know, we it all, feels that way, doesn't it? it? Well, it does. I mean, there. Are, I mean, I was talking to somebody today. Uh, I was doing a reading for her, and her husband died uh, not six months ago. This woman is in hell. She's suffering. She's being tortured and tormented day and night with that gnawing agony of he didn't look well. Why don't I bring him to the doctor? Okay, yeah. and and even though there was nothing anybody could have done to have saved him, um, she's got the guilt, the remorse, the regrets, the pain, the anguish, the sadness, and that's hell. Yet we can emerge from the pit of hell, and and that's why there is no eternal damnation because the only constant in the universe is change. And you go through this incarnation, and you come back, and you do a series of them until you are no longer, um, no longer need to be connected to this material world dimension. Um, and that makes a lot more sense than um, a white guy sitting on a throne who's incredibly neurotic oh, and insecure hateful. because, yeah, hateful, vengeful, yeah. yeah. And if you don't tithe, and of course he's white and Christian and holds a scepter and smites you. Has a um, long white beard. Yeah, and a long white beard, and looks very much like images of the Roman Emperor Constantine. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, you know but, but that works for some people. And if it works for some people, and <sighs> they pr- actually practice Christianity or Islam or, you know, whatever religion, as long as they're doing it in the, in, in, with the objectives of peace and love and understanding... The problem with religion is we're right, you're wrong, you're wrong, and therefore bad and evil, and we get to smite and kill you, and then that's where the whole thing goes wrong. And it does go wrong. Let's switch gears now and go the other direction. What do you learn from the people that you do readings with and the people that come, the ones that come through, the spirits that speak? What do you learn about God? Well, God certainly exists, but not in, in the uh, white man on the throne way. Um, God is, we're all cells in the body of God. God is energy and the source of all light, life, understanding, creativity, love, and the universe. And God is a, um, a being which transcends time and space. And so every living thing is energetically interconnected to God, which is how God knows what's going on everywhere and at all times. And so you may think of that as, well, that's all very esoteric and complex. Yet on the other hand, God is also very simple to understand because when you truly feel love, and I don't mean, you know, weirdo, stalker, obsessive, you know, sociopath, (laughs) you know, induced love. I mean, real love. You know, you look in the eyes of somebody that you love who truly loves you, you're catching a glimpse of God. So that is has been given to us so that we can understand God on an individualized level, but the enormity of God is eternal, and the human mind simply isn't capable of understanding eternity, which is by design. We are supposed to be here to have a limited material world existence to experience things that we cannot when you're in an infinite and somewhat euphoric state. It's always interesting to me when people speak so assuredly that they know all about God when nobody does. Nobody you know, does. We can't. We can't. We're, 
But, but it sounds very much like quantum physics. Yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, well, you know, I've never seen science and faith being mutually exclusive. No, and it's either you're in the God camp or the science camp, and never, never the twain shall meet. And now, um, with with uh, the the stranglehold of traditional religion lightening up on society and people feeling more spiritual as opposed to dogmatically inclined, and then scientists not being so rigid that if you can't stick it under a microscope, it doesn't exist. And beginning to see that perhaps string theory and the people with the gray matter, you know, like like an Einstein or a Hawking or a Feinberg, um, really may be onto something. Even though even though Stephen Hawking says he's an atheist, um, I'm going to give him a pass based on his personal circumstances. No matter how brilliant he is, how could anybody with the torture and torment he's been going through physically possibly have a positive outlook? Yeah, he's had his hell. On Earth, that's for absolute Yes, he has. Sure. Yes, yes, and he is a great man. Okay, then say a word about heaven. Heaven is absolutely uh, wonderful, um, and there appears on the other side to be many levels to the other side. Um, it's, it's kind of like an FM radio dial or an XM serious radio dial. There's lower frequencies and higher frequencies. Uh, the higher frequencies seem to be, you know, more light-focused. In other words, um, that's the white light. That's, that's the joy and the spiritual energy of God. The lower frequencies, let's say, like, you know, ISIS people that cut people's heads off and destroy, you know, beautiful works of art and rape and murder and plunder, um, you know, for this savage, you know, mentality, um, they're not going to the same level that they, a Mother Teresa is. And chances are they're going to be coming back into this material world, and um, and you know God has given all of us free will. Um, you know it, it's so funny. Um, uh, I was reading on on uh, on the news today, and you see all these. And I don't want to get political, but when you get all these politicians say, you know, you can't do gay marriage because that's a choice, and you know then you read the scientific reports on what makes people gay. And scientists are saying that people are born this way. It's a genetic anomaly. It's like being born with blue eyes or being left-handed. Okay, so if being gay is not a choice, is being a religious fanatic and a bigot a choice? <laughs> I would say yes on that one. Yeah. <laughs> We're right up at the end of I mean, of it's the like, show. you know, I hate black people. It's like, well, that, that's a choice. That's okay? a choice, yeah. That's a choice. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're at the end of the show. I'm so sorry to say that. <laughs> I really hate to see this one end. What's the thought you'd like to leave with the listeners today, Mark? Be nice. I know that sounds sounds funny, but if you think of what every major religion, every great philosopher has told us is be nice. Do be to others what you'd have them do to you. Don't treat people the way you don't want to be treated. And it may sound simplistic, but it's a lot harder than you might think. Because for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. If you're negative to somebody, it's coming back to you, either on this side or the other side. So be nice. Be nice. Be kind. Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, you're very, very well. Um, it's, it's my pleasure. And um, if anyone wants to uh, schedule a reading with me or find out more about my books or where I'm going to be, please visit my website, evidenceofeternity.com.
Thank you so much. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Mark Anthony, saying thank you so much for being with us today. Be kind and come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.